This morning, we're, uh, we're actually doing something a little bit different. You can, if you've got your Bible or your, your little screen thing there, you can go to Isaiah chapter 6. We'll be there in just a second. Uh, earlier, you were teasing us about not knowing that song. I didn't tell you ahead of time. But that song is a trigger for me. You know, we hear a lot of these days about triggers in safe places. And I came to church for this to be a safe place, and you done, done, done triggered it. No. What, do we have any Mr. Bean fans? You all know what Mr. Bean is? There's, there, there cannot be just only a few of us. So there's, there's at least four or five of us, and the rest of you seriously repent. I mean, you got it. you got to know you're Mr. Bean. Now, we watch it in Russia. Russians love it because it requires very little translation from English to Russian. But it's a British comedy show from, I guess, the 70s, early 80s. Uh, but one of the scenes, with it's Rowan Atkinson. You probably know the actor from other things. I won't go into his works. But uh, where he's at church, and it's England, so, you know, it's kind of stiff, old, traditional Anglican church. And they're singing, All Creatures of Our God and King. And they're, he's trying to remember the words. They can't remember the words. Their little hymnals are only like this big, and they've got these. And the guy next to him does this, and every time he tries to look on that guy's hymnal, he's like, no, you know, that sort of, he thinks he's weird. So he won't share the songbook with him. And so the whole song, every verse is, Alleluia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, he doesn't know any other words except Alleluia. And so every time... I'm sorry, every time we got to that, Tanya was laughing. It was her. It was her. And it was distracting my work. No. <laughs> we talked about it before because I knew what the order of worship was before. And, and I told her, I, said, I can't tell Curly. It'll, it'll just give him the same brain thing I've got going on. And we share enough of that already. It's already you know, pretty, pretty crazy. That explains your humor too, the preacher thing. you know. That's, so we're just on the same track. Isaiah chapter 6. What we're going to morning is spend some time in prayer, actually. And so uh, we're going to look at it in three different ways. Praying about our past, uh, praying about our present, and praying about our future. So I'm going to take care of the past, and then uh, Ralph is going to speak to us and pray about the present and Mark about the future. It's, it's good. I think in, in a, you know, it's an arbitrary time in a way. The beginning of a year, we didn't get to do this last week, uh, to do this, but I think it's good to start off a year in prayer. I think it's good to start it off thinking about where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. And uh, so that's, that's what we're going to do. Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, Isaiah is in a pretty unique situation. He's in this uh, vision, I guess you'd call it, uh, before the throne of God and the temple of God. And he, he shares with us what he saw, what he felt, and what happened. And I think it, it, it's good for us to look at this as we think about uh, the prayers we would pray for our past. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And he said, or and I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then 
one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I. Send me. And he said, Go and say to this people. And then he gives them the message that he wants to give to the people of Judah. So in this, this, this vision and this calling of Isaiah, there, there's a lot going on. But I want to look at just one little simple thing. It ends with him saying, you know, here am I, I want to go, I want to do what you want and, and go where you want me to go, say what you want me to say, live how you want me to live. You know, pick me, pick me, you know. And so that's, that's where we want to be. As Christians, that's, that's what we pledged ourselves to when we went into the water. We were saying, Lord, wherever you send me, whatever you want me to do, whoever you want me to serve, I'll do it. I give you my life. So all of us who have been baptized, that's the commitment that we have already made. That actually is in our past, that commitment. Isaiah had something he needed to take care of first before it was really time to do that. When we think about the future of this church that Mark's going to talk to us about, we can't get there until we deal with past, right? Isaiah couldn't say, here am I, send me, until he dealt with with his guilt, until God dealt with his guilt. And Isaiah felt that way. It wasn't just God. It was Isaiah who spoke up and said, Lord, I'm not going to be able to do anything for you because you should see what kind of a guy I am. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But how many of us have felt that way about different things that God calls us to? And we know who we are. We know what we've done. We know where we've been. We know what we've said. We know what we've thought. We know all those things. And we know God knows all those things. But I think the beauty of what happens here is when the seraph goes and takes with the tongs a coal from the fire at the altar and deals with it. What a beautiful moment that had to be. Now, I will say, if I were Isaiah, angel comes at me with fiery coal, that thing probably not making it to my mouth because I am running. That's just like Moses and the snake. You know what I mean? That's, that might have been the way that worked. Oh, no! <laughs> it was bad, but Lord! You know, that sort of a thing. What's he going to do? Brand me. But to his credit... Isaiah stood there and took it, didn't he? And no, no idea how that experience went. He doesn't describe what that was like in the spirit or physically or anything, except that he was thankful and that it, it created a fire within him to say, God has forgiven me and now I can and I can go serve and I can go speak and I can do all those things. We're told in 1 John chapter 1 that if we confess our sins that God is faithful and just to forgive. It's His nature. It's who He is. If you, if you are doing the, the daily Bible reading, one of the very, I don't remember if it's the first or the second video, but, and maybe it's both, uh, through those videos is the constant theme of God's love redeeming His people, calling us back to the purpose and the partnership that we have with Him. And this is what He was doing with Isaiah. Isaiah, I want you to be my partner in ministry to Judah. And he says it to us. I want you to be my partners in ministry to this church and to this community. But we are lost, aren't we? A lot of the time. We are a people of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. Things that we know we need to give up to God, but we've held on to. Some of it because, frankly, 
humans tend to be control freaks. And so we just have the hardest time letting go of anything. We can't let go of it to give it to some brother or sister. We can't let go of it to give it to God. And we just have the hardest time. But Isaiah was not useful until he did. God was not going to use him had this moment not occurred. Right? It was all a part of the plan and all a part of the purpose. And it's part of ours too. And so we're going to pray together about letting God use us. We're going to take, I'm going to give you some time silently for you to let God have whatever that is and you confess that to Him in your heart and your soul and then we'll pray together, okay? Let's pray and we'll take a moment. Father, we come before You and we are always humbled by Your holiness, by Your majesty. Father, we, uh, we know that, that You are a gracious and merciful God. And we know that when You look at us, You see us in Jesus Christ. Father, we can't help at times but look in the mirror and also see all of our flaws, we look at, at the things that we go through and we know some of the struggles we have in life are of our own making. And Father, we want to give those things to You this morning. I, I pray for, for myself and I pray for everybody here, Lord, that we just give those over to You. Father, we pray that You would pour Your Spirit into our hearts, into our lives to help us to see the things that you can change and, and the things that you can redeem and the things that you can use in your work. And Father, we pray that you would help us to have loose hands, ready to let go of control, ready to let go of uh, past that we think tie us down but don't have to. Father, we just pray that everything that we have withheld from you, we do so no longer. And Father, we pray that, that you give us Two, eyes to see in the past the many, many ways that you have answered prayers. And let those be a testimony as we pray together now that we know that you answer and that you work. And Father, we pray that we look to the past and we see the relationship you had with your people from, from Adam to Abraham to Israel to now. And Father, we pray that we see in that past the redemptive work of your Word and your Spirit and your Son. Father, we pray that you would help us to see that that is also what strengthens us now and what helps us to know that there is glory in the present and glory in the future because you have been glorious through all time. Father, we pray that you would just pour forth on us grace, mercy, forgiveness, and hope. It's in your Son Jesus' name that we pray. We have the past um, to learn from. 
the things that we have done and others have done and, and the word that has been left for us. We should learn from that and, and learn from our mistakes and learn from the things that work and use those to today to live the present. The present's where we are now. Uh, If we're not where we should be or not where God wants us to be, then that's where we need to be working on those things. Uh, It's time to make a change. In Deuteronomy, we were told, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. And then in Timothy... 1 Timothy 6, there's a charge to Timothy. Don't run away, Paige. Um, Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you are called. When you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses... In the sight of God, who gave life to everything, and of Jesus Christ, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of your Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God the blessed and the ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom whom no one has seen or can see, to him be the honor and might forever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you again for the opportunity to come before you as a congregation, as an individual. We pray, Father, that as we work together in this community, that you would guide us, help us to use what you've blessed us with to make a difference. Help us to use that as we make a difference in this community to make a difference in our in our nation, in our state. Help us, Father, to be the lights that you want us to be. And when we fall, we know you have promised that you will forgive us and that you have laid it out for us that we have a a way back each time but father we pray that you would uh, be with us and guide us each day help us to honor you with the way we live father and the way we act each day help us father to be the people you want to be to be someone that you would would have written about and and left for others to learn from father that we would do the good that you want us to do Father, when we fall short, we know that you have promised to to forgive us, that your wonderful grace and mercy is, is there to us, and we thank you for that, Father. We thank you for all that you've done for us, and help us to be the people you want us to be. Help us to work together in this community and the opportunities that we're given. It's in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, we were going to discuss the future a little bit. Uh, we all make our New Year's resolutions, and uh, which is good. Uh, and uh, I just don't feel wise enough to, to tell you a whole lot, but I recently read a book by a wise man named Joe Barnett that has some really good ideas in it. And um, he had recommended three things that we ought to work on. Uh, for the new year, and I like I like just having maybe three things we can think about to improve on. One of them, he said, you need to work on your attitude. Another thing he said is, don't only pray for yourself; you need to pray for others. And uh, the third thing was to serve others. Uh, he has a really good way of uh, teaching, kind of like Jesus did. He he t- tells a lot of stories, and I was just going to read some of his stories and ideas on those three things. Um, and the first one is on attitude. He says, oh, that was her response to every masterpiece of nature. A sunset, a rainbow, a tree, a flower. That would bring a gasp from her lips. Oh, awareness is the mother of gratitude. And gratitude is the mother of joy. Um, there's a lot of depth in those few words he says that awareness is the mother of gratitude. You know, sometimes to be aware, we have to just sit and reflect. Uh, the other day, uh, one of my best friend's mother passed away, and they asked me to say a few things at the funeral. And so the day before the funeral, I sat there and just reflected all day. Uh, and uh, we need to do that more. We're, we're more grateful when we sit there and get away from this fast pace, what's, what I've got to do, what I've got to do. Uh, I read a study, some people that live to be 100, and two of the things that they said they wish they would have done is that uh, they would have risked more, and the other thing is that they would have reflected more. Um, so I think to be joyful, I think we have to have an attitude of uh, being grateful. He said, joy comes when you respond to God's nudging becoming his instrument to bless another person from knowing that you made a difference. Don't know what to do? Here are a couple of things to get you started. Victor Frankl was incarcerated in four concentration camps, including the death camp at Auschwitz. His father, mother, brother, wife, everyone in his family except his sister died in the prison camps. Everything, said Frankl, can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. William James says that the greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering their attitudes. There you go. Take ownership of your attitude. You can't always control circumstances, but you, and only you, can control your attitude. Inside of me, said an elderly man, there are two dogs. One is hostile, one is peaceful. They fight all the time. Which dog wins, he was asked. The one I feed the most. There are two dogs fighting to control your attitude, and and the one you feed the most will win. So I think... uh, He's got another story here, but I'm going to hop along here. What about praying for someone else other than ourselves and our needs? 
He's got a story about a man named Jim Wood had been ministering at his new church only a few weeks when he got a call from Clyde, one of his parishioners, asking him to go for a drive with him. Clyde was a very quiet guy, and as they cruised through town, he didn't say a word. He drove out into the country, parked by the side of the road, opened the trunk, pulled out two aluminum chairs, and walked out into the field. Jim followed. Clyde set the chairs under a large oak tree, and the two sat down. He still didn't speak. Jim found the silence uncomfortable. After a while, he said, Well, this is a beautiful place, Clyde. Yeah, Clyde said, This is my tree. You own this property? No. It belongs to a friend of mine, but he gave me this tree. I come here and sit and think and pray. More silence. Finally, Clyde said, Jim, I want to pray for you. And he did. He prayed for his ministry, his family, his health, his happiness. Then he got up, put the chair back in the car, drove back to the church, and told Jim goodbye. A few days later, Jim was having breakfast with one of the men from his church. I saw you with Clyde the other day, he said. Did he drive you out into the country? Yep, Jim said. Did you just sit there for a while, not saying anything? Yep. Did he pray for you? Yes. Let me tell you how I met Clyde, he said. The week before I got married, he called me, and he wanted me to go for a drive with him, and he took me to that tree. We sat for a long time without a word being spoken. Then Clyde said he wanted to pray for me. He prayed a wonderful prayer for our marriage, and then he brought me back to town. The young man in the next booth overheard the conversation. Turning to the two men, he said, May I tell you how I met Clyde? My wife and I were devastated when our first baby was stillborn. Less than a week after our loss, Clyde called, said he wanted to take me for a drive with him, and he took me to his tree. We sat in silence for a while, and then he said he wanted to pray for me, and he did. Clyde had been doing that for a long time, his own quiet, powerful ministry. You, you don't have to do it Clyde's way. You probably shouldn't. You might be uncomfortable with it, and others certainly would be too. But you can have a prayer list, and we should. Be concerned about, enough about others to think about them and to take their name to the throne. You don't have to tell them that you're praying for them, but it's okay if you do. They will find comfort, and you will find joy. The other thing is he recommended on helping someone. Jesus' mission statement said, The Son of Man came to uh, to serve, not to be served. And that is so counterculture to the life we live in. And instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of us should in humility be moved to treat another as more important than ourselves. Each of us should be concerned not only about our own interests, but about the interests of others. He said, don't let these two sentences slip by. Treat one another as more important than yourself. Be concerned not only about your own interests, but about the interests of others. Uh, There was a philosopher who said that forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Uh, There was a he tells a story about Mother Teresa. A lot, a lot of people know about Mother Teresa. 
1985, she was on a flight to Mexico City to minister earthquake victims' aid. She politely asked a flight attendant to find out how much the airline would donate to aid the victims if she skipped the box lunch that had been given to her. After inquiring, the attendant quoted a figure of one dollar. A dollar it is then, replied the smiling nun. There were 126 passengers and three crew members on board. When word got around, 129 boxes were returned unopened. When the plane landed, Mother Teresa asked the airline administrators for both the $129 and the returned lunches, which she received and delivered to Mexico City's homeless. Anything you did for even the least of my people here, you did also for me. God's plans may be different than ours. The seemingly insignificant may be the most important thing you do today. When you affirm a friend, I don't know why I'm getting emotional. Uh, when you send a note of encouragement, when you spend a much longer than intended telephone conversation, you may come to the end of your day and write it off as wasted, but God may judge it as smashing success. Someone was blessed, and you were the one he used to deliver the blessing. So let's think for a few minutes and pray in silence and then we'll, we'll have a prayer. Father, you, you know our future. You've known our future for a long time. Um, Lord, we know that we need to trust in you with all of our heart. We need to not lean on our understanding uh, and let you direct us in all of our ways. And, and sometimes it is so hard to trust and obey. Lord, these three things we, we talked about help us with our attitude. Help us to have an attitude of joy. Help us to pray for others. Help us to serve others. Lord, we just pray for your spirit to descend on this church. In Christ's name, amen.